Welcome to the Alphamine Podcast, the podcast for traders with me, Stephen Goldstein, and my co-host, Mark Randall. A quick word first about our podcast sponsor, the Society of Technical Analysts, the STA. The STA are the world's leading body for the advancement of education into technical analysis. They offer services to clients from across the world, and you can learn more about that at the STA website, technicalanalysts.com. Now, on with this week's podcast. Welcome to the first podcast of 2021, and uh, I think Mind has done great things during 2020 and will continue to expand its reach in 2021 but of course lots of background challenges and we all hope that everyone's safe well and that we will soon be getting back to some degree of normality that we can all start to enjoy so yeah steve and i welcome you to the show this year yeah welcome everyone delighted to be back and uh we're going to do 10 pieces of advice for traders to improve your mindset and your behavior um over the course of this year that is today's podcast. So we're going to start with Mark with your first piece of advice. Yeah, and I think that uh, we all know that, that markets are difficult. There's a real temptation perhaps to look back and think I, I, that, that you may be staring at a screen for guess far too long, look, looking for stuff that becomes a frustration. I think we're learning with, with COVID and all the stuff that's going on that actually you mustn't forget about actually, you know, connecting with life. You know, and actually getting that space to guess, get out and do some meaningful things. So I think a, a, a good start to the year is, you know, tr- try to think of your trading day as a as a, a short period of time that that you commit to do your trading, uh, and, and don't overextend your stay. Don't be the person that stares at the screen for twelve hours, getting frustrated about it. Try to choose a point within your day that's going to be your trading session and just make sure that beyond that trading session, you're doing other meaningful things, you know, connecting with people, getting out into the fresh air, just going for a walk or something. Because you're going to be far more effective when you come back to your small trading sessions. If you have one massive trading session where you stare at the screen and, you know, you can't see what's going on, that's... And we know that that happens. We, we need to just understand that that is not a good way of um, behaving, really. And that you need to just start to focus on some really important things going on in life and, and giving time for them during your day. So that's my key point. Actually, just blooming connect with life because it's important. And, and don't feel that trading is your life. If you feel that trading is your life and all you want to do is trade and be in front of that whatever whatever looking for those trade ideas then i i I think that uh, you will fail as a result yeah that's great advice mark and as you say it's can you just reiterate the point you mentioned a few times last year about turning up for life you can show up for it i mean i think brian cox did 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 a soundbite on television that, that i've used before that you know our, our mass, us, the, the 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 fabric of us, was created like thirteen point seven billion years ago, and uh, so we we are that age, and we host these this mass for this short point in time where this mass is suddenly within uh, an intelligent species, maybe the only species in the universe. You never know, but we have an obligation to make sure that that mass of stuff that represents us has the best bloody journey it can have whilst we own it. So I think we have to think of it that way. Think of the fact that, you know, you're, you, are, you, are more, you are the component of you and uh, you deserve to be given you the best possible journey that you can whilst you are on this planet. And that doesn't necessarily mean being in front of the screen all day. And, and, and the irony of that, and a point which I'm going to return to a little later in my tips, is what I'm really hearing is be present. Be present for yourself. Be present for the market. And that sometimes, ironically, means stepping away and not overdoing it at the screens or with the trading, 
because that way you're more likely to be present when you are. Exactly. Okay, terrific. It's, terrific. A, beha it's a behavioural thing, but it, it, unfortunately, screen share, screen staring, is that is can become a habit, and it, and it's a habit that keeps people, you know, too focused on something. And when you're too focused, you can't see the opportunity. You have to sort of lighten your gaze and broaden your gaze and give yourself space to energize and come come back and look. And if you can't see anything, step away. Go and do something else. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and this brings in another really interesting point because if you get lost in trading, you often don't realize you were lost. This is part of the challenge. When, when it happens, it is so difficult to realize it's happening. And even when you do realize it, it's very difficult to somehow stop doing it. Now, I, I go back to one of our interviews last year. It was a brilliant interview with Damien Hughes, who was a sports coach. Mm. Brought up this concept of tripwires. A tripwire is something, a little trick you have somewhere that reminds you that you're falling into these mental traps and you take some sort of action to break that pattern. And I think that is, you know, that is part of the challenge. It's not just knowing that you need to do that, but having something in place that stops you when you're there, a tripwire. Yeah, yeah. I think sometimes um, the awareness of noticing that you've tripped your wire is important. Um, if, if you're stressed and, you know, of a negative mindset as a consequence of being super stressed, you'll walk through all sorts of tripwires and you just won't realise it. So stress management is part of that process of stepping back, that calmness, that awareness of almost seeing a tripwire coming so you can start to do something about it before you trip. I... I, I... You know, I, I ask myself this, and I, you know, paradoxically, I used to have a tripwire, but I didn't realise it at the time. Um, although it was much later in my career, and I wish I'd had it early in my career. And it was literally, I had a poem. Um, so I used to journal. I used to journal quite actively, not all the time. It might just be one or two lines, but generally, regularly, just a quick, you know, what was my day like? No, oh, it sucked. What was my day like? Actually, I called that pretty well and went with it. it. The inside cover of my journal, I used to keep this poem called If by Rudyard Kipling. It's a very well-known poem. Yeah. And I used to, eventually I used to have it pasted on my wall. I used to have it in visible places. And I noticed that when I had a bad day, if I turned to that poem and I read it, or if I was in a bad period, it would suddenly snap me out of where I was ground me and I suddenly you know, realised what I was doing. I, I didn't realise that was one of my tripwires mm -hmm. actually much many years later. But it was it was always useful. Otherwise I relied on other people sometimes to just say, you know, Steve, you wake up, you're in one of these these negative spirals again. And, and it's very difficult to have that. Do you have any suggestions for a tripwire? Well, I think that, um, yeah, you if you can imagine that you start not to pay attention to yourself, so you maybe you stay in bed for longer in the morning, maybe you have difficulty sleeping, those types of things showing up that you're not paying attention to. You, you couldn't care less about shaving this morning. Some very, very basic things are telling you that you might need to, I guess, uh, take a look at yourself a bit more closely. You know, errors in particular in financial market, you start to get a series of errors. You start to think, hang on a bit. Uh, you know, I, I need to just, um, uh, you know, manage myself a bit better. So, you know, er errors would often turn up or sloppy behavior or stupid mistakes are a clear sign that, you know, men mentally you're not as sharp as you should be. And so, so that you know, that, that would need some sort of remedial action. And that re remedial action, in, in my case, was actually to, you know, to either, you know, get out for a blooming walk, get some fresh air. Um, that, that sort of really, really basic stuff. Or even just have a little chat with somebody about a non-work topic. 
you know, some sort of banter chat, uh, chat where you just, you know, you loosen the mind a little bit. You sort of take it away from the starkness of trading. And you have, a, and I think that's why banter occurs in trading rooms or did occur in trading rooms so much because it was a bit of a pressure valve release mechanism yeah. so that people could manage the intensity of a trading day. Now, of course, it's some, some of it's dipped into inappropriate behavior nowadays. Um, but in a way, um, social connectivity banter as, as being a, a, a way to, to just get yourself in the right place again. You, we need to pay a lot more attention to that nowadays because obviously with silo, people sitting in silos or their man caves or, or lady caves or wherever they're trading from, uh, they need to make a super effort now to make sure that they connect with people and have non-market type conversations uh, as part of the process of um, dealing with a, a tripwire. And breaking the cycle. And breaking the cycle, yeah. Okay, okay. Well, well, thank you. That's a great start. And I think that, that brings me on to my first one, uh, particularly that process you said about uh, of noticing errors um, and, you know, seeing a whole series of them and then getting yourselves into a bit of a knot. Um, and and my, my first point today was going to be that for people to remember that trading is a process, you know, that... that that it has a structure to it. Every process has a structure. And that process is what you have to develop and improve and tighten. And, and what we were just talking about now is, by the way, part of that improving the process and making sure it's strong. Um, because the quality of that process is the most important thing. And, you know, often people are fixated on their system or their method, um, and, and really they think that is trading. But really the system or the method is just part of the process. And, and it's, it's not even, in my opinion, the most important part of the process. The most important part of the process is how you monetize that system or how you monetize your method. And that is the risk element of the process. So if the overall trading or risk process includes a system or method. The game itself is not the system or method formulation. The game is monetizing that system, that method. And that's where people do not put enough effort and time in. And if anything, it's like we say that that, that is the game. That is more important than anything. You can have the greatest system or method in the world or approach, but it doesn't make money or it doesn't make what it should make or even loses money. And, and, and the game is to actually monetize that and make money. And I meet far too many people over the years that get stuck into that whole trying to perfect their system, trying to perfect their method, but not working on developing themselves as risk takers. And that is part of the process where it goes wrong. And they end up judging whether they made money or whether they didn't make money as whether they did well or not, when actually they should be judging the quality of their process. So that was my first point today. So you're, you're next one, Mark. Well, yeah, listen, I think um, these things are important to discuss. One of the things that that keeps cropping up in, in sort of coaching and mentoring sessions that, that I do is just how people all, even if they've had a negative event, um, they'll never ever think of anything other than the event being anything other than negative. When actually, if we have a negative event in the market where we may, may have lost something or, or made a mistake or a stupid error or not, not bothered to trade when we, should have actually traded those types of you know sort of common trader problems um what we need to remember is is not so much the negativity of what happened it's the positivity the positive around what lesson we learn when that event happened and to and to have that lodged in our mind as something that we remember you know well when that happened 
yes, I changed my process or I, you know, changed the way that I managed myself or I changed the product I was trading or I changed my system. So that there was a positive outcome. Um, rather than to remember the drama of what actually made us lose money or made us not make enough money or whatever, whatever. So I think if people like, for example, do journaling, for example, then where, wherever they're journaling and, and sort of recording something that, that negatively happened, um, you know, almost turn it into size five font <laughs> and make the negative thing virtually disappear and make the, the comment next to it, and you should make a comment next to it about, well, what you learn, you know, the positivity that came from it and make that size 15 font bold. So that if you do look back, you're picking up the positive stuff. Because uh, if we do that, we we embed positive positive habits in a much more efficient way, and also we start to manage the potential for getting uh, a trigger point or a tripwire, as we often talked about in the past, that takes us back emotionally to refill the tragedy of uh, a negative event. So I think it's important we we understand that that. That there's a way we can do that, particularly if you're journaling, in terms of turning down and turning up and, and recollection of the positive, and actually make sure that whenever we go through something that is a challenge, we make it very clear to ourselves what we positively learned from that experience. Yeah, that's great. That's really good. And that, that feeds into my, my second point today, actually, very well, which is um, a, a very similar and related concept. And it's what I call kind of looking forward and not looking down. Okay, so this is something which, again, it's connected to process. And I think all these things kind of fit together. But it's it's very common to put yourself down in this job. It's very common to not believe in yourself and to beat yourself up even. Something that I did regularly as a trader and, and it, it reinforces a lack of self-belief in who we are. And quite often we're, we're reluctant to, uh, I suppose, to praise ourselves even, to give ourselves a pat on the back, to say, well done, because we, we fear we're going to jinx ourselves. We fear we're going to cause what's going to happen next. And yeah, and we know where that comes from because we've got this thing where, when we do get overconfident, that is a dangerous place to be sometimes because often that's where we are. We lose sight of where we are. But the counterpoint to that is that too often we go the other way and we, we can go from extremely positive to extremely negative and into a place of self-doubt. And, and both of those are dangerous, being overconfident is dangerous because we don't do the things that we should do as part of our process. But equally, when we're, let's call it underconfident, we do the same, but the other way around. We don't do the things that we need to do that are part of our process. We don't believe in ourselves. We don't back ourselves. We believe it's going to go wrong. So you go from believing everything's going to be right and we're, we're going to smash it, to believing everything's going to go wrong and we're going to fail. And that's the point I, I, I then bring in this analogy of tightrope walking. And trading is like tightrope walking. Not two feet off the ground, though, but 200 feet off the ground. And when you are tightrope walking, they say never look down. Never look into the abyss. Never see your vulnerability. Because what's going to happen is you're going to freeze. That's the best thing that's going to happen. The worst thing you're going to happen is fall. You're going to unbalance. You're going to wobble. And you're just going to not, one way or the other, you're not going to move forward and you're not going to achieve your goal of getting to the end of the rope. And this can happen whether you're five feet from the end or whether you've just stepped on it or halfway through. You have to step on the rope and stay all the way to the end point. And the thing is that you must keep looking forward. You must keep your eye on the end goal. You must stay on the process. And the tightrope analogy works 
in fascinating ways because, you know, we do a lot of practice and preparation for the trade as if we're walking the tightrope and the mechanics of it are very easy. We can all do it. We can all walk that rope when it's two feet off the ground. But it's not the same processes when we're 200 feet off the ground. Mechanically it is, but the mind changes it. And looking down is that not believing yourself, not trusting yourself. And that's where you go off process. So that's my second tip. Back yourself occasionally. Believe in yourself. Give yourself a pat on the back. Commend yourself when you do a good job. And then you can let go and you can stay on process. So that that fits very nicely with your last point there. No, no, no. That's, it's, it's great. I mean, I love that analogy. And uh, the concept, obviously, a lot of people think, well, you know, safety nets and, uh, <laughs> and uh, safety rope. It has that translate to, it translates back into having proper process, doesn't it? Um, one thing that links to that is really this concept of not expecting a hundred percent. You know, a lot of people get like, like really geared up to have a certain target by a certain time, and will wait and wait and wait and wait and wait to that hundred percent. Um, often getting disappointed often, like you say, beating themselves up because, God, I just didn't make it. One of the things that um, I, I often and very often share is, is that if you can get out of 80% of your size at 80% of the target and use that as a core strategy, you're more likely to make you know, ready money. It's, and, of course, if you're looking at pattern recognition and certain things, the world is looking at those things as well, right? So the world may you know, the world may be queuing up to get up close to 100%. So you'll potentially never get to 100%. So the concept of actually chipping out a good chunk of, uh, of position you know, on the way to target and leaving a 20% just as a towel that it might just get to where you want it to go. Um, but so often you get traders freeze where they get you just see them staring. They've got ninety percent in the bag, but they want the they want the hundred percent, and they'll strain and they'll stare and they'll strain and they stare, looking looking for that extra ten percent that potentially will never come because there's so many other forces interacting at that level. Because other people have no doubt seen a very similar um, pattern and uh, sort of level of op- objectivity as yourself. So yeah, 80% of the target, get out of 80% of your position is is a really good idea, but also fit that around the things that you do. You know, don't focus on something thinking you're going to get a 10 out of 10. You know, if you can get to the level where you're 80% certain, well, some degree of certainty around about the 80% level that this is worth doing, then it's probably worth doing. You know, so... A lot of people defer decision thinking, yeah, I'm still not, I'm, I, I'm pretty damn sure, but I could do a few more things to try to make it being 100% sure. If you wait, you'll miss the trade. So 80% certainty in terms of trade origination. Uh, and, and so then as the trade's in flight to be getting out, hopefully if, if it's moving as planned, at an 80%, 80% level of the target, getting out of 80% of the position. I think is a better way of, of, of trading safely um, and doesn't leave you disappointed that, you know, God, I had money. Because often people, when it, when it gets to that level of, of heading towards their, what I think is going to get to their 100% target and the whole world starts taking profit and they're back to only 50% profitability, they're going to start kicking themselves and beating themselves up because they couldn't, they didn't take their profit at 80% and were waiting too long in the trade. And of course, the longer you wait in the trade, the more you're denying yourself the opportunity of spotting the next trade. Yeah, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. And my, my next point, my third point, um, we'll follow on from that in a second. But before I do, Mark, you've been in this business now. Well, the 80s, the 90s, the noughties, the 10s. Yeah. We're now going into the 20s. Yeah. And, and you're now coaching traders. Can you tell us a little bit about the work you're doing, right, um, with traders in that area and around mindset? Um, well, absolutely. It is 
It is one of the things that I've picked up from from coaching, you know, CEOs, heads of trading, and all sorts of people in this this very specialized field, is that people have been seeking the answer to how to manage themselves, you know, so they are cognitively guess super tuned for this complex world of markets, as well as managing themselves through moments of, of significant stress. And you know, the the common thing that said to me is that I keep reading these books, I've got the app, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. And I don't and I still don't get it. I mean and, and these are like super smart people and they're they're reading like the the books that I, I would recommend almost as background reading. But when you start to have this personal engagement with them, you start to understand that actually the solution for us all, and we're all very, very different, is very, very bespoke. So you start to have to underlie, this sort of start to understand you know, what matters to that person, what that person's got around them that they can use um, to actually help manage the process um you know we're talking you know the, the, the true mindfulness space about retreats and you know i've i hear so many people that have gone on a retreat because i guess had a nervous breakdown so they go on a retreat to disappear from themselves come back to the real world have a few troubles for a bit, bit longer and go back to a retreat because i've had another nervous breakdown it's a it's you know the, the formula for for all this cognitive stuff i've out in the real world has often been described and created by people that have never been on the, the journey of, of what markets can throw at you or even what you know, complex workspace can throw at you. And, um, yeah, so I've, I've been in this sort of steering people into, uh, you know, these solutions that optimise themselves. Uh, it optimises them and their relationship and their impact on others. Because that's super important as well. They need to be very effective too. You can't just be a sole trader and your whole, you know, support sort of group is suddenly walking against you. They need to be on side as well. Um, but also this this concept of managing stress intraday, uh, letting go intraday, winding down post stress event intraday, and it could be microsecond type stuff to then wake to the next opportunity in as optimal state of mind as possible. So I will interrogate the wrong word, but it came out. I I will go through that um, investigation with someone to understand how they can explore might be. They're both good words, but it's really a case of just understanding that we're all different and we're, and, and actually, we all live in different places with different circumstances, but if you start to understand where they live, you can start to describe a program of how, how they can use where they are to support their journey. And that journey starts off with managing self, because if you're not managing yourself with a capital S, and that includes all, all sorts of things about your system, um, and, and how you awake and how you retire and all those types of things, how you hydrate, but also how you optimize and manage yourself throughout the complexity of a day in the theater of war that markets is. It has to start off with self. And once you build the concept of self as a base and you start to give share toolkits around just how people can create new habit to be comfortable in complexity and be comfortable in volatility and be comfortable to to seek new ideas and to relate to others in that process. You know, that's what I do. So I, I teach that toolkit through what obviously the Alpha Mind Mental Trader tra- tra- Mental Strength program um, is something that if people are interested, they can get they can come through the um, the various uh, points of contact for Alpha Mind to to reach out to me on that, but. It is powerful. There's nothing else like it on the planet. I'm. I, people tell me that. Um, I'm happy to say. And that only comes from having been in markets for nearly 40 years and having practiced this stuff for nearly 40 years. Um, and, it doesn't come and, from just reading a book. And your email address, if anyone's listening and wants to reach out to you. Absolutely. So it's CEO at markrandallconsultancy.com. Okay. And we'll give that again. We'll give that out at the end. And they could also... Yeah, yeah. 
it's super important, particularly with what's going on at the moment. You know, um, the management of self needs to be fundamental for a lot of people. And with so many challenges going on, um, we think we kind of got a solution, but actually um, the sort of stuff that, that we share through these toolkits it has suddenly become super, super relevant for uh, the world that we now live in. Okay, brilliant. And we'll give all the contact details for myself and Mark again at the end of this. But I'm going to bring come on to my third point now. And, and it kind of builds upon something you said then about, you know, this is a war when you're out there as a trader. You know, maybe that's a strong analogy, but it, it, it's a battle with the market. It's a battle with yourself. Um, some people might say that's a strong term. It's a game. In one sense, it's a game. It's a one. In another sense, it is a war, a mindset war. Um, and there's there's two quotes I want people to think about, and that, that's really around the idea of planning, because there is a, a very famous uh, or very well known saying that no plan survives contact with the enemy, and the enemy is is really yourself. So what happens for a lot of people? is they make a plan of what they're going to do, that's a strategic plan. They'll make a tactical plan about how they're going to approach a particular setup or a particular trade idea or a particular market or a particular day. And then, of course, as we know, most most people's plan fall apart the moment they engage with risk. So we could say that no plan survives contact with the enemy, whether it's the market, whether it's yourself and whether it's risk. The other element of that, which I want to bring out, is a quote really by uh, by General Eisenhower, who, who said that plans are useless, but planning is essential. And, and that's a great paradox. And the point is that the very plan you make for the markets, it's almost impossible to follow it through from start to finish. And you said there about, you know, taking off 80%. 80% of the way through. And if you try and hang on for perfect, you'll never get anywhere. If you try and do a perfect entry, it's just not going to happen. And, and, and this is kind of the point. Planning is essential, but don't expect your plan to work exactly as you as you anticipate. And that's almost the nature of trading, the nature of risk. And that's the art of trading. And that's what the great traders learn to do. You know, if you try and perfect it, it's just not going to work out. And, and I go back to one of my my own coaching clients, who was one of my very first coaching clients about 10 years ago. And he worked for um, a Scandinavian bank here in the UK. And he said, Steve, I want you to read this book. It's one that I read all the time. And it's called Golf is Not a Game of Perfect. Or Golf, It's Not a Game of Perfect. And he said he was reading that for his trading because he had this, he made this mistake, which lots of golfers make. Golfing is quite similar. It's you really against yourself. It's you against the course, of course, but everyone is fighting the same course. So it's really you, you against yourself when you're out there. Uh, and yeah, I read the book and it, it's absolutely true. You've got to let go of these expectations you put upon yourself of trying to achieve the perfect shot the perfect part. You have to deal with what's in front of you and you have to deal with your own challenges. And I, and I know you, Mark, as, as a golfer, Will. No, it's brilliant. I the, Yeah, there's a great analogy there that, um, you know, if you're a golfer and, and uh, you know, your, your, your buddy won the last hole, so he's teeing off and it's, uh, I don't know, 170-yard par three. And he's suddenly now, now and, you, and you've got, I don't know, a sort of a four iron in your hand or something. And, and he suddenly nailed it within three feet. And the first question you ask him is, what club did you take? Right? So all of a sudden, you, you're playing his game um, by, by asking that question. And then he'll say, well, um, you know, I, I had a five iron. And you think, well, you must have, he doesn't hit that far normally. Think, but you nailed him three. And you've got a four iron. And suddenly, you go back to your bag and you start thinking, is it a four? Is it a five? And all of a sudden, your mental game has just been destroyed because you've paid attention to the performance of somebody else. And you said and your mental game. Crazy. You said your mental game, right? Because yes. there's another lovely golf quote, 
and I can't remember who said it, um, but it works 100% perfect for trading. And it's golf is a game played on a six inch course, the six inches between one ear and the other. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Before we carry on with this week's podcast, a quick word about the podcast sponsor, the Society of Technical Analysts, and in particular, their home study course. Now, for mine, have teamed up with the STA to offer anyone interested in taking that course a £100 discount on the full price of the home study course and the home study course and diploma program. To learn more about that, visit the Alphamine blog page by Googling Alphamine blog and hitting the page link STA Home Study Course. You can also learn more about the STA on their website, technicalanalysts.com. Now back to the podcast. Now, Mark, over to your fourth point. Yeah, I'm, this is this is quite big, really. Take yourself less seriously. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Don't you know if if you want to walk away, walk away. If you're getting fed up, walk away. Um, if you feel that you're knackered, walk away. If you make a mistake laugh at yourself just just kind of just laugh at yourself we all are going to make mistakes and we're, the one we just made we're probably going to make again and if we don't kind of like nip it in the bud and you know try not you know try to manage ourselves so we don't dwell on these things if we don't do that then these these things will, will, will over you know take command of our all of our mental processes and totally screw us up so from time to time we just have to, I don't know, rock out. Just put a soundtrack on and, like, you know, like the, the big short, you know, that guy on the drums, that, that guy that eventually made money, <laughs> that hedge fund guy. You know, I think um, you you need a, an avenue to just rock out and treat yourself less seriously. If you can access humour, if you can access banter, I know times are difficult and that, a lot of people are guess soul trading and maybe stuck in a, a dungeon somewhere with eight screens. For God's sake, find find a trader chat room to get involved with, or find another non-trader social chat room just to share some jokes and to get a little bit more lighter about what you're doing. Because actually, you you cannot this world of trading is so complex. If you if you want it to grab your attention for twelve hours a day, it will allow you to it will allow you to be fully um, attended to everything that's going on. Um, if you don't do anything about it, and you just can't keep up with that, so we do need to step back and just put a little bit of break into what we do, so that we kind of relax the mind. We allow it to just have a bit of a break itself, and we do that through just. Fitting things in to, to laugh about, fitting things in to, to listen to great music and stuff like that, and give yourself a break, going out for a walk, getting fresh air, all those sorts of things. But you know, just treat yourself less seriously. You know, life is more the way. One of the first things I said when we started this podcast, life isn't about sitting in front of a screen ten hours a day. Yeah, and we know that Steve and I will tell you that sitting in front of a screen ten hours a day is is not the way to make money. Um, you know, you might have little pockets where you make money, but generally, if you're staring at a screen, all you're doing is just getting frustrated. So, you know, take yourself less seriously, for me, is a really, really important thing, particularly for this year. Yeah, yeah, no, that's true. And, and you know, it kind of brings me on to a point which I wasn't going to talk about, but um, it, it reminds me of, you know, when I go back to my trading days, um, there were days where I was glued to the screen and where I was kind of lost in the market. And, and I think that was times when I was struggling. That was times when I wasn't doing well. And I kind of, you, you do lose yourself. It's like, it's like looking at the image of a picture and getting too close. And you don't see the picture, you just see the pixels. Okay. And then later in my career, um, I started, I started running marathons. And as a result of that, I needed to train during the day. So about late morning, I was working in, in the centre of London and I'd go for a run either by the Thames or through Hyde Park or St James Park. And sometimes I'd be gone for an hour, sometimes even longer if the markets were quiet. And that forced me away from the screens. And, and I remember noticing how much better I was trading. 
you know, you, you cannot be at the screens the whole time. And there were times when I was stuck and I wouldn't go training. And that usually, like I say, coincided with periods of underperformance. And, and of course, forcing myself to do it because I knew I had a marathon that broke the day up. It, it was that it forced me to be away. You know, I, I was running the London Marathon. I had to train. I did it a couple of times and it wasn't particularly great in terms of times, but you have to get out there and put the miles in. And that, it did two things. First of all, it broke me away from the screens. The other thing is, I think, you know, trading is a total body experience. And, you know, just running makes you feel better. You know, getting away from the screens is one thing, but the physical, you know, it's it's like you don't have to do meditation. Running, running is meditation. It clears the head. You know, sometimes when I was running, you know, I remember years ago, I was running around, and I remember it very clearly, one of the London parks. And <laughs> this trade idea popped in my head from nowhere. It was a Euro sterling trade. And I just didn't, I couldn't believe it. Yeah, because your head clears. What happens is the fog in your head clears when you run. Like, it happens when you meditate. I'm not a big meditator, if I'm honest. But my running and my sports always felt like meditating. And I do do it occasionally. And when I do it, it normally has a benefit. But going to the gym cleared my head. Um, and it, this sterling, this brilliant trade idea, which I made a lot of money on, just popped in my head. It was like, and I was like, wow. I was running along thinking, where the hell did that come from? That's a great idea. And I went back to the market and I, the desk afterwards, and I thought, let's look at Euro Sterling. Yeah. Yeah, the, 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 the fundamental picture supports it. The technical picture, which is probably more important to me, really supported it. There was a nice setup. It was a nice risk reward strategy. And I put it on and, and it became a really good trade. I can't promise it wouldn't have happened had I not run, been running, but it was so clear how clearing the head cleared the fog for me. Yeah, so, it, it relaxed your mind. It opened up all of the connections within the mind that just made them connect to each other. Because, of course, once if we're under self-imposed stress and or market-imposed stress, you know, you see it as mental inflammation. Yeah. You, got this stuff going on so you've got no room to think no capacity to to deal with the complex or or invent something but if you can whatever mechanism and i think you're right to say you know the the, the, the running was your meditation i think that, that that's very appropriate to say that you know connectivity with outside world fresh air doing something that's slightly physical yeah well yeah of course anything like that is significant if it gets turns down that tension reduces the inflammation to a you know a, a optimal state then yeah that that's where that's where genius comes from well it's where insights come from you know we we, we, we can yeah we, we've got we've got two ways of getting better at this work job one is reducing the interference and the noise which you know and uh, and the things that we're not good at so lessening the effect of those and the other side is getting better at the things we're strong at and doing those better. And that means insights. You know, insights are where we make money. We can't just get rid of the, the things we're bad at, which is what a lot of people spend time at. No. That's, no. Only, that, that's not going to make us successful. We've got to get better at the things we're good at and leverage our strengths more. And one of those is improving the insights, no. whether they're the insights that build your system if you're technical, if you're systematic, and whether or whether they're trading insights for trading ideas. And, and, you know, if your mind is fogged up, okay, you're not going to get those insights. You're not, not going to think, see the things that sometimes are in front of your face. Like I say, the pixels on the screen won't reveal themselves if your mind is clogged up. Mm -hmm. So that's no, my fault. Yeah. I've got another one. In fact, it's the first one I wrote down on my list when I was thinking, you know, what, what, what am I going to add from the, the previous, uh, you know, sort of uh, bits of guidance for, for this year? Well, I think everyone, particularly those in retail, 
and you get kind of caught in a rut and caught in a habit of maybe doing the same old, same old, same old, is actually uh, ask yourself the question, why am I trading this thing, you know, this product? What, why, why was I drawn to this product? Because, of course, in the world of trading, there's not just foreign exchange, there's commodities, there's fixed income, there, there's equities, there's the whole... And of course, we had some excellent conversations in these podcasts last year about people that were looking at the way society was, uh, was moving to drive their um, investment ideas in, things like equities. You know, quicker and faster than any investment bank can create research to give the signal. They were picking up the signal and getting massive advantage. So ask yourself the question, why? Why am I trading it? And then ask yourself the question once you've settled in what you're trading and why, and you may want to shift that, of course, is, well, how am I trading it? What, what What's triggering the trade? How am I coming to those decisions? How am I getting in? How am I getting out? Do I, am I just doing it because I just buy and I just sell, or could I be doing it differently? Could I add a bit more process around it? So... Why am I doing it? How am I doing it? And then, of course, when am I doing it? When am I trading? And we know that a lot of people perhaps don't understand the concept of, you know, economic events and global sort of big events that are going on. And, you know, there could well be people out there trading 10 minutes before non-farm payroll without realising non-farm payroll is about to come out. You know, just ask yourself, when am I trading? Do I trade within the European liquidity? Do I trade within the, the blend of, 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 of Asia stroke Europe in the morning? Am I, am I trading throughout the, the sort of central part of the European day as America wakes up? You know, do I wait for after lunch in America? Do I wait for after data in America? All those questions. Because what you can't do is you can't start off at 7 a.m. in London uh, and end at, you know, 9 p.m. at night. So actually think about what you're trading why you're trading it, how you're trading it, and then then try to pick what you consider after looking into a bit more detail about, about what you're trading. About well, when is the most likely optimal place for me to have sort of my trading session, and look at your and, and look at your day as a defined trading session, because actually having a defined start of the day and a defined end of day is really really useful. Because if you just turn up and show up and you get have no sense no sense of process, and Stephen says you could be staring at the screen for twelve hours going absolutely nowhere, being driven up the wall because you just can't see it, but because you've just not done the research, you don't know why you're trading it, you don't know how you're trading it, and you haven't really worked out when you're gonna trade it. But those questions are, are pretty fundamental and they can all be answered. Okay, brilliant. That was great. Thank you. Thank you. So that's five from Mark. I've got my fifth one coming up in a second. First, a quick word about the Alpha Mind Trader Performance Coaching, which I run. Um, we get a lot of requests about that. If you're interested to know more about that, um, it's a holistic program which looks at all aspects of the trading process. It doesn't fo focus on the technical stuff, the system stuff, although we do look at how you trade and the way you trade just to see if you're up to it but it, it, it it's it's an it's an all-encompassing process um which looks at performance psychology behavior uh, philosophy process um and of course how you are your individual self um and we we explore all avenues and aspects of it and um and we try and help you i suppose smarten up and tidy how you are as a trader so you can be more effective and more productive, improve your performance. And that's a coaching program I've been delivering for the past 10 years. It was a coaching program I went through myself 20 years ago um, and it had enormous impact on my performance as a trader over the next 10 years. And it's had an enormous impact on many of my clients who have uh, both in the buy side and sell side and retail traders who have seen significant performance improvements as, as a result of going through that so if you are interested to know more about that just email me info at alpharqcube.com or check out our website or you can dm me also at alpharmind101 and again 
if you're interested in Mark's program or know more about his work, you can also DM him at AlphaMind102. And also contact Mark and myself on LinkedIn, Mark Randall on LinkedIn, Stephen Goldstone on LinkedIn. Mark, I promise you, is one of the best coaches out there, does some brilliant work. Occasionally, we do some work with individuals together. We do a bit of tag, uh, bringing both of our different perspectives to the process. So absolutely feel free to check it out. Yeah, it's a, that, that's a very big point. I think uh, as, as we're getting organised about our delivery of our, of, of really of, of our sort of um, portfolio of work, client-facing work, uh, it's becoming increasingly important that clients are one in a holistic type discussion. Um, and the two different perspectives that from the different market backgrounds of Steve and I uh, is uh, a very valuable thing in itself. But also, if if you see me as yin and him as yang and get a sense as together, we're covering pretty much all of the facets that you need to be optimizing to face yourself and managing yourself in, 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 the, in the super complex world of markets and any other complex theater of, of activity, to be perfectly frank, be it you're an executive senior leader or, or um, someone that's facing, uh, you know, as, as a retail client, the markets and wondering, well, how do I make money here? Um, you, you should be uh, engaging with us and we'd be delighted to, uh, uh, to take you through um, a very comprehensive program that would smooth and enhance all the important edges that you need to be paying attention to to face uh, face markets. It's an investment in yourself. It's an investment in your process. It's an investment in your performance. Um, if you really are into this for the long term, you know it will lead to stronger performance in the future. Um, so it will pay itself many times over. It has paid itself many times over for many people and many businesses. It's just to point out, if you're listening from a business, we work with many sales side businesses, investment banks, hedge funds, asset management firms, insurance firms, um, commodity trading businesses, energy trading businesses. Uh, we work with managers as well as traders and investment professionals. We work with teams and we also work with salespeople. There's a, a big side of the, the business is, is the sales side. Um, Mark is a former broker, so he has some outstanding experience working with people on the sales side, as well as working with traders and investment professionals as well. Um, we'll repeat the details again if you're interested in that. But moving on to my fifth point, and I think I've almost forgotten what it is, but uh, it's just come back to me. And, and I, I wanted to give credit to one of our earliest guests on the show here because she put out an amazing tweet today, um, which I just want to share uh, before I uh, progress any further. And this bit's going to be cut out because I can't remember. I've kind of lost it. I had it lined up. So, one second. Okay, so my fifth point today, um, and credit goes to one of our earliest guests, Mandy Rafsanjani, who put out a fantastic tweet today, um, which really captured for me the essence of the point I want to talk about. So the point I want to talk about is about ego and trading. Now, ego is one of the biggest issues in trading. And the tweet she put out today was, it went as follows. Many traders say they like the feeling of being special, being a full-time trader. Funny enough, most truly successful, as you put in brackets, top of their field, people I come across, don't feel special. They see themselves merely as an average person who went on the quest for something extraordinary in life. And that kind of, for me, it really brought up a terrific point. It's the moment you see trading as a way of validating your ego, that's the moment you are heading towards failure. And, and it's a great example of a, of a very well-known quote, quote by Ed Sakota, which says, everybody gets what they want from the market. Now, if you want the market to be a boost to your ego, 
and make you feel special. That's what you're going to get from the market. But it's not going to help because that's not the job that you're meant to be doing. The job you're meant to be doing is following a process that generates a return on your performance. And, and if you gear it towards validating your ego, you're going to do all the wrong things. You're, 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 the aim you're setting yourself is the wrong aim. It's the wrong target. And the very best people I know, they ground themselves, they humble themselves. They, they, they try and, and it, it's a life's work almost. They try and put their ego aside. Now, here's the paradox. You cannot function without an ego. Your ego is part of you as much as your shadow is part of you or your legs and arms and mind is part of you. You, know, you cannot separate it. And actually, your ego is it serves a great purpose. It's there to protect, it's there to protect you. It's there to keep you psychologically safe. And it motivates you. It pushes you forward. If you have no ego, you know, you, you're not going to take the risks you need to take to succeed. So it's a, it's a careful balance, you know, of playing with your ego, of capturing the upside of it, but also not letting the downside part of it take you over. And if you want to feel special, you're in the wrong place. That's where you're in. Do something else if you're special. It's you know, so funny. The, <laughs> if, I, the, if you meet a great trader, and he doesn't say that he's a trader, you won't guess that he's a trader. But if you meet someone that's a terrible trader, you'll... The first thing you'll guess when you'll speak to him is that he's a trader. <laughs> so it's almost like the, the people that are really, really good are kind of like so normal, they're invisible. But the people that are really, really bad are so bad, they're, they're boasting about their positions, they're boasting about this, they're boasting about, and you're concluding that they're a trader. But actually, they're more than likely to be the worst trader that you've ever met. That takes me back to the story, which I often talk about, the best trader I ever coached. Um, and, and, you know, he, he's, he, well, I'd say he's one of the best traders I've ever coached because I've met so many other great individuals over the past few years. But it, this individual always stood out. So I was, I was coaching at the, uh, within the Asian office of the US Investment Bank. This was about eight years ago. And it was a project I was working on, working with a group of traders. Uh, and I don't know how many traders they had in there. In, in their Asian office, but it was it was probably well over a thousand. And when I was meeting the managers of the traders before I started it, this manager said to me, this guy you're going to be coaching is the best trader, as far as I'm concerned, in the whole investment bank. And I said, what, you mean in the Asian office? He went, no, worldwide. And they must have, I, I don't know, three, four thousand traders worldwide. So in my mind, I've fallen into that trap a little bit, thinking, well, this guy must be pretty damn special. And when I'm getting ready to meet him, I'm expecting the stereotypical big swinging dick to walk in. You know, the guy who's walked straight off the Hollywood film set of, of the movie about trading. You know, he's going to have the perfect suit on, the perfect hair, the perfect look. He's going to have the Rolex and Patek Philip watches. And the guy's parked in Ferrari on the drive outside the bank where some valet has taken it off. You know, in my mind, that's what I build up. In walks in this very diminutive, very unassuming uh, trader who, when I shook hands with him, it was, a, it was nothing special about his handshake. You know, and I was taken back a little bit. And um, I'm thinking at this point, has the right guy walked in? You know, th this guy could be the cleaner who's just walked in to start cleaning the room. That was how unassuming he was. Um, anyway, within a couple of minutes of talking to him, you know, I realised what a great, he just had a risk mindset, a mind for risk. You know, he was talking about it. And... It turned out he was not just an amazing trader. He was uh, he was he was actually a world top two hundred poker player, and mm -hmm. that was that was what he did on the side on the weekends. <laughs> so, you know, he had a full time job as a market maker and prop trader in a bank, and, and he, he didn't last for long in the bank because he he moved on to hedge funds where he's he's achieved great success ever since. Not not surprisingly, 
But it, it just shows you how, you know, and he didn't even tell me he was a world top 200 poker player. He loved talking about poker. And I happened to come across it on mm. uh, by accident once when I, I Googled him. Um, so it, it just gives you a sense of, of what great traders are like. And if you're listening to this and you're the guy who sees all these clients boasting about their profits on Twitter, don't let that fool you. When I was a trader in a trading room, the guys who really made money never boasted about the profits. The guys who didn't last very long always boasted about their good days. And you'll recognise that yourself, Mark, won't you? Oh, my God, you can spot my mile off. Yeah. In fact, one of my neighbours uh, turned out to be one, and uh, that was a bit of a disaster once where he was... <laughs> in fact, he, he was so bullshy about talking, him, talking himself up to be a trader that I started to play with him a little bit in terms of, you know, just weaving the conversation. It turned out he wasn't a trader. It turned out he was a, a junior compliance officer, but he worked in the trading room. And he was trying to get away with being a trader to all of his mates. But, you know. Yeah, that, I've seen that. And uh, by know. the way, just as, as an aside, right, we're not always the same person all the time. We go through ups and downs yeah. in, in our careers and as traders. And we're not always a good trader. Okay, there is this idea that we're constantly a great trader. Everyone suffers periods of drawdowns and everyone suffers spells that are tough. And they, they may be also induced by events going outside, particularly if you're working in an organisation where the political tide can turn against you or, or you just hit a bad run. Um, and I've seen people who would never boast about their trading suddenly boasting about their trading. And actually, I think I've been that person at times. If you find yourself doing that, and that's normally good, that's normally not you, it's a good little signal that maybe you should just check yourself and do that thing that Mark talked about earlier on in this podcast and, and walk away for a little bit and rebalance and rebring yourself back to who you are. Because you may be that person. Yeah, so interesting. I think the whole, the whole, everyone is a trader. You know, who's a trader? Well, everyone's a trader, you know. If, if you're having to face options in life and it's a buy and it's a, a yes or no decision, you're trading. You know, you're you're trade. You're making a decision based upon optionality, and that and, and that that's what trading is all about. It's a yes or a no. It's as simple as that. And everyone is making decisions like that in all walks of life, all day long. Um, and and so you know, we, we we look at this world, and anyone can be a trader. But to be a good trader requires um, the processes that we've talked about and developing the strengths that both Steve and I can um, can help you all with. Yeah, yeah, no, that that that's that's true. But uh, and that kind of brings us to the end of what is this first Alpha Mind podcast of the year? Um, we we've got some great guests lined up already for twenty twenty one. Twenty twenty was the year. In some respects, a year from hell. In many respects, a year from hell. Um, in other respects, some people would have had a great year if they, <laughs> in a trading sense. But even then, I'm sure they're looking back in other ways and thinking, yeah, I had a good year and a bad year. But uh, overall, let's hope this year's a better year for everyone, whether it's in the markets or whether it's in their their outside life, their personal life. Yeah, I think we can look forward to Christmas this year. Oh, God, yes. I'm looking forward to it. I don't know how long I've got. <laughs> uh, yeah, good. Yeah, well, we wish everyone all the very best of luck. We know it's tough out there, but, of course, we uh, we want to help you with that, and you'll certainly be picking up an awful lot of, uh, of, of talent that we're going to be interviewing across these various podcasts going forward. And, uh, of course, the, um, the advice and uh, uh, guidance that Steve and I can share as we develop those conversations. So uh, do keep listening.
Thank you for listening to today's podcast, which has been sponsored by the STA, the Society of Technical Analysts. If you're interested to know any more about our services at AlphaMind, including our coaching programs for traders in relation to mindset, behavior, and performance, please email us info at alphaRcubed.com. That's the word alpha, the letter R, and the word cubed.com. Or email Mark Randall at CEO at MarkRandallConsultancy.com. We also so in addition to our trader performance coaching programs and mindset programs, run executive coaching programs for businesses and leaders in the financial markets. And again, just email info at alphaRcubed.com to know more about those. Or please visit the website alphaRcubed.com. You can also learn more about us and sign up for our newsletter by visiting the AlphaMind blog page, alphaMindblog.blogspot.com, or just Google AlphaMindBlog. You can also follow us on social Social media. We are active on Twitter at AlphaMind101 and you can also follow us on LinkedIn. Go to the AlphaMind group on LinkedIn or follow myself, Stephen Goldstein and my co-host Mark Randall. If you'd like to leave a nice message or review on iTunes or Spotify or whichever service you use, we would greatly appreciate that. Thank you once again and good luck and stay safe.